AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. This episode is brought to you by Crown Royal. This NBA season, Crown Royal is celebrating the loyal fans that show up for every tip-off. Whether they're serving up loaded nachos or shaking up crown and gingers, Crown Royal believes if you live generously, life will treat you royally. Visit crownroyal.com to get ready for tip-off. Please drink responsibly. It's part of American politics. We love our polls. From local races to the national stage of the 2024 presidential election, Matt Towery and Robert Cahaley are churning the data so you can stay informed. This is Polling Plus. Welcome to another edition of Polling Plus. I'm Matt Towery, along with the bow tied one himself, Robert Cahaley. Robert, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing good. It's been quite a um, uh, a holiday weekend with uh, lots of sports, lots of politics, lots of sports and politics mixed together. Lots of things going on. Absolutely. And hey, before we get into any of that, um, I want to recognize uh, this week, uh, Rosalind Carter is being uh, put to, laid to rest. Uh, she was uh, First Lady of the United States, and I actually know numerous members of the Carter family, grew up around them, and I just wanted to pay my respects to the former First Lady, who was a lovely person and uh, certainly uh, lived a, a great and long life. So anyway, with that, let's get into the politics, because after all, even uh, the Carters were everything political um and uh that was part of Ro- Rosalind's life and so let's let's talk about uh, politics now and uh then we get into a little sports robert i'm noticing that um there continues to be talk about nikki haley rising as the you know the alternative to uh to DeSantis, who i think the media is trying to write off and as the next alternative to Donald Trump, who the media just is obsessed with. with I mean, I, I sat during Thanksgiving the weekend at my phone. And as you know, I flipped through endless media from all over the country. 90% of it is just ginned up stories about Trump. I mean, they, if they, they will find anything they can to run a story about why Donald Trump is bad, evil, eats his food wrong. Uh, you know, sneezes the wrong way, weighs too much. It's just, it's an obsession beyond measure. And now I guess the political um, folks are trying to say that it's Nikki Haley who's going to come to the rescue. Now you're from South Carolina. You polled in South Carolina forever. If anybody knows the Nikki Haley story, it's you. Is that really the case? Is Nikki Haley going to become the savior of the Republican Party? No, I mean, I think Nikki Haley is going to do exactly what I thought she'd do from the beginning. She is going to rise to the top of the establishment lane, which is where she now is. And she's very establishment candidate. I mean, she's always been establishment. I mean, you know, she supported Romney and she supported Jeb Bush. I mean, this is, she's always kind of looked to where 
that group is going. And so what's happening is she has consolidated that vote. Uh, she is getting all the donor class. And the one thing I've said from the very beginning is you want to see who's going to win an election, look at who the popular candidates are, figure out which popular candidate the donors are going with and which one the 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 activists and the voters are going with the other one. And right. so as the donors move to Nikki, they, they virtually ensure <laughs> That that is not where the where the the voters are going to go, and so right. I think she is consolidating that. She's going to have tons of money. She's going to get a lot of what she wanted out of this campaign is going to happen for her and and keep her relevant far beyond twenty twenty four. But I don't I don't see her at any point uh, overtaking Trump. And what I also I don't think that she sees DeSantis coming in in Iowa. And as you and I both said, I think that's going to be a problem place for her. Yeah, I mean, I, everything I hear. So I have a lot of you know contacts within the DeSantis world. And um, to their credit, I mean, they they have kept a stiff upper lip and uh, they they uh, support the governor. Um, and I think that there's good reason to believe, and we talked about this before, that the, the polling of Iowa, which if you don't know what you're doing in Iowa, you can really, really uh, run into problems because you're talking about caucuses here. You've got to have hyper-political folks who are really active to end up getting there in the first place. That's exactly and so, right. So you start, if you start polling, you know, general Republican voting, you know, identify you're you're probably not hitting the people going to the caucus, and that makes all the difference in the world. So, to me, it looks like from what I'm hearing, um, uh, you know, he's got a little better organization than people think. He's been on the ground. He's had the endorsement of Vander Plaats, who's a pretty important uh, evangelical in the state, and obviously the governor. That comes with some heft, and I would think that they're literally trying to identify person by person who will they drag out to those caucuses on a probably almost always a very cold night right it is absolutely a, a, a game like that and if you if we remember it was so close we thought Romney won in 2012 and it ended up Santorum had won when it was all said and done right. it took him two weeks to figure it out uh, and then even in 2016 uh, we had a Cruz win. And these are both guys that ran that type of campaign, organizing to that level. Yep. And you're right. It's like when you're polling these guys, asking, do you plan, you know, are you planning on voting in a primary? You know, there's, there's only about half Republicans who are going to vote in primaries. And there's only like a fifth of them that will turn out to a caucus. And if you don't know how to isolate by people who have voted there before and the right, the right questions, if you're out whether they're going to do it. People will say they're going to do it, but they aren't. So you're exactly right. People are not polling this right. And I think you're going to see the most dedicated activists are going to break toward him. And I think he's not probably going to come out ahead of Trump, but it's going to be closer than the polls say. And DeSantis is going to shock some people. Well, and, and we talked about this last week. So if that happens, then the attention shifts to DeSantis. And what's the time period between Iowa and New Hampshire? Not very much, right? Very tight. Yeah, very tight. So my, my, my guess is that um, we're talking about um, the attention then shifting to DeSantis. He's got the momentum. H H Haley could 
arguably do very well in New Hampshire because she's going to probably have the endorsement of all the the establishment types there. But it, it, it seems to me that it takes a little head of steam off of her if DeSantis is all of a sudden looking like he's gotten stronger. And then, of course, they roll into your home state, South Carolina, where, you know, Donald Trump received, I, you know, oh, so this is another thing, Robert. And yeah, I, yeah, you can, you can talk about this. Okay. So, so, so I didn't watch, you know, I was busy watching other games and stuff. I'm sorry. Clemson, South Carolina wasn't on my radar screen, but. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, that's right. My Georgia Bulldogs. It shouldn't have been on our radar screen either. <laughs> my Georgia Bulldogs had a hard enough time making sure they put away Georgia Tech, but we'll talk about sports in a minute. Um, so the, the reception he received there uh, is it's described by the media as mixed or booze, this, that, and the yeah. other. Can, can you, yeah, can you, you know, tell you, everybody what really happened? Let <laughs> me shed a little light on this. One, um, obviously, it depended on where you were in the stadium, but I, I've isolated it and looked at it, and where where they're talking about is when he was walking on the field specifically as he walked past and I'm not, I'm not saying this because they're our opponent, the Clemson band. There's video of the Clemson band booing him. Now, right. recognize these are band students. You know, Clemson and Carolina have a lot of people from out of state. So that didn't represent any, any real sense of it. But they, they the microphone shot got a, a good taste of them. There was video of them booing. But when he got on the field, as people in the stand saw it, right, they, it was not mixed. It was literally, it was just a roaring applause, and just people started singing, God bless, not God bless you, they started saying USA, USA, and it, and, you know, and just the fact that he symbolically even walked and stood on the SEC logo. Right. I mean, it was just, it was amazing. I mean, it was, it was as uniform a reception as I've seen him get anywhere, well, uh, he, but and, and to be fair, I did see some stuff where his motorcade was arriving outside the stadium, and he was booed there. But those turned out to but be. But did you see that was the Clemson band when they were? Yes, yeah. That Clemson band it was the same same, same group. That's what's so freaky yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, but, you know, main point being that in South Carolina, right now the polls are showing what Trump over fifty percent in South Carolina. Am I right about that? Yeah, and the thing is, people also made notice the fact that that uh, you know that they made it a um, big idea about inviting lots of people to the game, right? And and the other candidates, and the fact that you know Clemson, Carolina, Nikki's alma mater, Clemson, playing Carolina, the biggest game of the year, and she didn't come, right? And yeah, I, I th- and that tells you that she also knows she would have been overshadowed by Trump, right? Well. Yeah, I mean, it's a long time between now and then, but to me, um, you and I have said this, we said it on the last show. I think that a lot of these pollsters are, you know, they know what they're doing when they do their samples and how they weight things. And I think they're showing Trump bigger and bigger and bigger, larger and larger and larger in all of these contests, only to know that he's going to not meet those expectations. And then they're going to say, oh, he's underperforming. Uh, he's on the decline. He's falling apart. I mean, you That's can see exactly that coming, right? right? Yeah. I, I, that's why you know I find it, and we've talked about this. It, 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 you and I, of all people, I mean, with everything they say about us, have, have been the ones who put out the lowest numbers for Trump. Like right now, I have the lowest national poll number for Trump. 
And oh, Robert, like, Robert, Robert, Robert. Matt, Matt and Robert don't know what they're doing. They don't know <laughs> what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. I, haven't, I, haven't heard, I haven't heard that because I think he knows better. But, um, uh, but one thing I don't I, know if I, he does I, or not. I don't give a rat's ass either. <laughs> well, I just I think that he is he has seen, you know, a lot of a lot of things we've done that were right. But but what, what I worry is that it's easy to take in those numbers and think you're doing great. Right. But it, it, to me, it feels like a little bit of rope a dope. They're trying to get you to take it all in so they can continue to do this because this is how they're going to create a perception that, that you're declining. It's, you know, just like you said, he, well, you know, he won Iowa tonight, but he didn't win it by what he was expected to win. So Trump, you know, underperforms in New Hampshire. He's underperformed. You know, Trump continues to underperform here. This, and this is what I expect their narrative to be. Well, here, here's the thing, Robert. So, People are always coming up to me and say, oh, I wish – I like some of his policies. I wish his tweets – you could control his tw- tweets. Quit talking so stupid. You're never going to get him to stop that. We all know that. But but if I could give any campaign advice to their organization, it would be quit sending out these things about how you're blowing everybody away in the polls. I know it's, it creates a sense of momentum, and, and I, everything they do, quote, works, but – I just would be, you know, or send something out that says, Hey, maybe the, maybe the media is trying to overblow my numbers. So be prepared for things to be a little tighter because you got a big field and things are shaking down. And, you know, people, there's, there's a certain anti Trump vote, vote, vote out there in these primaries, even though it's not the plurality. Um, but anyway, that's their business. You know, I, if I were running campaigns, I'd be running campaigns and we're not. Instead, I'm playing golf and I'm talking to you. So <laughs> what what do you think about uh, shifting gears real quickly? Um, I see sort of in in this work that I'm doing sort of a, a, an inflection point, a pivot point, whatever you want to call it, uh, with regard to the situation in the Middle East. And I feel like that Support for Israel in terms of overall polling sort of reached its apex about, what, four weeks ago. And, and since then, yeah, I mean, it, the I media. Exactly the same thing. We're finding the same thing. And, and Matt, this is what we've talked about, even with Republican issues. Uh, the fact is, you've got people's memories are short and they're buying in to this moral equivalence between the two sides. Right. And 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 to me the American side, the pro-Israel side needs to be out there reminding people exactly what Hamas did. Exactly what they did to innocent little children. Exactly yeah. what they did killing people in front of their parents, killing children in front of killing parents in front of the, they need to remind people what they did and you know frankly if I were them I'd be running a campaign on all the liberal station reminding people of the unliberal values that Hamas holds. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, if I was the Israelis, I'd be running an ad that runs on The View talking about what Hamas thinks about gay people and what Hamas thinks about women. And I'd probably I would be reminding them I, all I, what they think. <laughs> I would also remind them of what happened on October 7th. I mean, a lot of people don't know. I mean, they hear it, but like I look – it's Snopes. Snopes has this thing. Well, there's no evidence that babies were beheaded. I mean, really, they got to worry about that crap when people were raped and pillaged. And it just, you know, it's so out of hand. But but OK, so I've been on a road trip with wife and dog 
from St. Petersburg, Florida to Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you, the staff of the Omni, by the way, the Battery. Love you guys. And then to Cincinnati. Thank you, staff of the Lytle Park um, for uh, Thanksgiving with my wife's family and then back to Atlanta. And so I've watched a lot of regular TV and not been able to play much golf. So I watched ABC. Oh, that is not like you very much. You miss no, out on the golf. No, and, and all my golf buddies are writing about it. I said, boy, you know how many rounds you've missed, Tyree, while you've been doing this stuff. So um, I'll be back soon. So my my point is, uh, watching last night, I had on ABC News with um, with David Muir, who um, I don't know what his journalism background is. Obviously, they hired him because he – yeah, very handsome guy. It wears a sort of little skinny tie and fits with the newest generation. But skinny but, tie. <laughs> yeah, he, well, he does. He always wears a skinny tie, and it's and it's monochromatic. It look, everybody wants to look like they they all dress like Tony Blinken now, who has absolutely <laughs> no personality. Tony. So you know, I went to Cambridge to be trained in, to be in foreign service, and and ended up obviously I wasn't suited for that, but but I did get my degree. But I mean, if I had to go back to the old days when I was at Cambridge in the early '80s and uh, the mid '80s, and they're training me, that you know, that's what the foreign service in England was like back in the 1950s. You know, everybody had a monochromatic, you know, black tie and skin. You know, it's just he's got such a self-image, and that's what he's doing as Secretary of State. So you've established an entire new pattern now. You see. So when you get dressed, you could have bling or you could have blinking. And it's yeah, two different kind of ways right. of dressing. Well, so, so blinking is He's, pretty – This guy's blinging. This guy's blinking. Blinking sort of blandin. Uh, but that said, <laughs> um, getting back to David Muir, so Muir is, is on there and he's saying uh, – you know, he starts covering the situation, the release of the hostages. And you know maybe, to be fair, a third of that was about that. Then it cuts to – the Palestine and and uh, the, not Palestine, but to to Gaza and the Palestinians, and it it um, you know oh the suffering and this and I get it I'm not I'm not uh, hard, cold hearted here I mean there are people suffering but hey look they could have let people out they wouldn't let people out um, understandably the reports I hear is that the Red Cross doesn't get in very much. So there are two sides to that story as well. <clears throat> but my, my point is sort of like yours. I mean, the the national media has just barraged people with, A, there needs to be more ceasefires, which, of course, that's that gives the, the other side the opportunity to build up their armaments again. It just means more Israelis are going to die to try to, to accomplish their goal. But the public opinion, and that's what this show is about, public opinion is swinging more in the direction of the people in Gaza and the people who are under the control, in essence, of Hamas and less in the direction of Israel. And so to me, you have another example of all these guys who sit around and they give money to political campaigns and do all this other stuff, but they lose on the issues time after time after time because they don't educate the public. So to your point, yes. They, they wait till the very last second because this yep. – another example of this. I'm watching the coverage myself, and I saw that, that the Americans and the Israelis determined that, yes, indeed, that hospital was the base of operations. Yep. And that the Israelis went through, and they said, show us one patient and one doctor that was shot. That they were that careful to not harm those people right, when right. they were going through that hospital. And you know what? 
that was not reported. Nope. E- even even when I saw it on news, said, "Well, you know, the Israelis, you know, Israelis claim this, and Hamas says it's not, and not. Oh, and by the way, our intelligence department backed them up. I didn't hear that enough. And well, it's where like, is, wait, where, where is where that's is that more equivalency we get back to? Where is Snopes or the Pointer Institute or any of those groups or NewsGuard, which is the biggest pile of crap in the world?" Um, basically saying, oh, well, yes, it, that, that's, that's true. They won't investigate it. They, they won't talk about it. And as a result, it continues to be that, well, that's a claim. Whereas if it's something these fact-checking groups, which is another thing the conservatives and Republicans just let go flying by, they never made an attempt to have a true, honest fact-checking organization. They let NewsGuard, which leans totally left. They let Pointer Institute. They let um, – which, which, which has PolitiFact and these other groups be the quote defenders and checkers of news and what's misinformation and what's not. And now it's too late. So there are no fact checkers that are true, honest arbiters of facts. They, it's, if, if, if it meets their political agenda, they'll fact check it. And if it meets their political agenda, they'll make sure the facts are in their direction. And they'll even label things lies so that reporters can keep going. And that the total and complete bold-faced lie uh, put forth by Trump. But when it comes to things they don't want to deal with, like this, well, they they just won't fact check it. And if they do fact check it, they'll say, as they did about the beheading of children, uh, babies over in Israel, they say, oh, well, that's that's not been established yet. Well, here's a recommendation, Israel. Establish it. Let people see. I know it's gruesome. I know it's terrible, but back things up. And by the way, supporters of Israel, run some damn commercials in this country and let people know what happened on October the 7th. If you don't, you're going to keep slotting, right? In the polls. Because the one thing everybody needs to understand is the American military is powerful, but what runs the American military is American public opinion. Yep. I mean, you know, we won the Revolutionary War because the public opinion turned to get. Turns against the revolution in England. I mean, <laughs> public opinion has com- every quasi democracy more powerful than their weapons is their public opinion. And so, if you don't spend some money trying to influence that, the, uh, the guns aren't going to do you much good. Well, let's shift for a minute to talking about something we don't spend much time on, and that's the House and the Senate coming up. Um, you know, it's looking pretty good for the Republicans on the Senate side, although we've learned the Republicans can blow anything. Um, and so and I worry about their ability. Well, they've got Mitch McConnell and they're going to spend the money the way he says. On yeah, the right, right. He likes. Right. Yeah. So if there's a good candidate who can win that he doesn't like, they yeah. have to get their own money. <laughs> well, hey, so so, you know, speaking of that, just to interject. I see Mitt Romney says he'll vote for – he'd rather have a Democrat. Than Trump. You know, there are plenty of good Democratic alternatives. I tell you, did that guy prove to be the biggest traitor to Republicans and conservatives probably in my lifetime? Yeah, and thank you, people. I called it in 2012. I said it then. You know never, – Never backed him. It You know, he goes from being governor of, a, of Massachusetts to being a senator from Utah. Boy, those two go together, really. And he can't get reelected in Utah, which is why he's not running. And now he doesn't need the vote. So he goes, 
And didn't I recall him on his bended knee asking for Trump's endorsement back about, what, six years ago? Well, now, Trump described all the bending of knees. I don't know what all happened there, but he definitely went to, he definitely went to Trump Tower. What happens next, I don't think is on film. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, so, so, you know, back to this, to this overall concept of Mitch McConnell and his crowd. I, I get it. Although I, I do, it looks like the guy who's running the senatorial committee this time, the senator, seems to have a little more of an independent streak. And maybe that's a hopeful sign. I don't well, know. I, I, hope, hopefully he's going to do something on his own because if they let the same people do it and the same tired stuff and they blow two fifty hundred and fifty million again, I just yeah. don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Do. Yeah. I mean, it really, it, it, it's interesting, but, but on the house side, that's where, okay. So it looks like the Senate could flip. I mean, you're going to pick up West Virginia, right? You're going to pick up West Virginia. You got a good shot at a bunch of the other seats where, I mean, in Ohio, Brown, I would think that he's really, I just left Ohio. I think the chances of Brown getting reelected there are not great. Although he'll, He'll use the abortion issue as the wedge. I feel quite certain. But it's um, in their constitution now. It's not really debatable anymore. Exactly. Exa- but they'll still use it. I mean, you know, you know how that goes. So that, you know, the boogeyman is always there no matter what. But, but the House, oh man, is that getting precarious? I mean, they're about to throw the that uh, John Levitt's uh, character uh, from SNL, the the uh, the guy who lies all the time. They're about to throw him out. Uh, he'll probably be gone this week. So they're going to be down to what? A three person, four person margin? Four I think vote that margin? Muslim's actually just a four vote margin. Four yeah. vote margin. Okay. So I want to extrapolate that because we don't really talk policy very much on this show, but I think maybe we should today. So we had a continuing resolution that the speaker uh, worked out to keep the government from shutting down probably was a smart move as a Band-Aid because the last thing you want to do with all this chaos is look like you're shutting down the government when a war had just started in Israel. I mean, I get it. And I know that there's some principles. Well, and I think funding in segments like that is right. what we're trying to get to. So even with the continued resolution, breaking it into parts right. is a smart maneuver because there's certain things that – I always become like the the things pulling at your heartstrings, right? When there's a government shutdown, and if you can avoid those, right? People don't mind when bureaucrats don't don't go to work. They do mind when soldiers don't get their checks and old people don't get their checks. Right, exactly. So, but I think we're you know now that they're slimming down to a four point uh, four four vote rather margin in the house. You know, I, I know a little bit about house politics from the past, my time with Newt. And uh, thank you, Joe Gaylord, for not noting my real role, but that's okay. Um, I think that um, the the House is going to be tenuous, and I think this House Speaker is going to have to really let the Freedom Caucus have its way at least once. So what I'm going to, where I'm going at with this is I expect at some point we're going to have a real live shutdown. Um, I don't think it's avoidable because if we can have a shutdown with the key stuff, not shut down, right. Which I think is what these resolutions he's done have set forth. But I don't think the Senate, I don't, I I think the Senate's going to let him get away with it. I mean, the Senate, they're not stupid over there. They're going to say, okay, we're not agreeing to that. Shut the whole damn thing down or give us what we want. Which, which by the way, the Democrats have been, this is what these freedom caucus, I think that's their group in the house keeps saying is 
the the Democrats are great at sticking together 100%. The Republicans can't bring themselves to do that. And I think that's coming to a head fairly soon, don't you? I do, but I think it might be handled a little differently because of the the way this, the continued resolutions have been handled. I think that if it falls in between a couple of those, it may give them some more leverage. And, you know, the other thing you we're not, we haven't even talked about is we have got seats being redrawn, one of which is uh, in his own home state. They're yep. fighting right now. If, I mean, for the, that being redrawn and, and who's going to redraw it, the old governor or the new governor, because it's that tight based on the court deadline. There's no right, time right. for the new governor to call a special session. Right. And, and the 10 day minimum you have to have and then meet the court deadline. So they've got a mess in Louisiana that could end up taking one more seat and making it D. Oh man. I tell you, it's, it's, um, you know, it, and it goes again to the brilliance of the Democrats. I mean, and, and the, the quote progressives, which I hate that term progressives. They're liberals. I mean, uh, there's no sense to say progressive. I mean, well, what, I like progressive better liberal because I think of us as classic liberals. I don't know. I think that's parsing through too many things. I mean, the fact of the matter is progressive <laughs> sounds positive and right wing, alt-right, conservative. They, they make all that negative. I mean, it's just more BS from the media. But but let me make this, this one point, and that is that I think that the Democrats are brilliant in having these organizations go through and challenge everything at the court level. I mean, they are active in the courts every day. They challenge Donald Trump on these uh, uh, being on the ballots. Well, they're losing on that, but they they get an A for effort. They are in every state challenging, uh, particularly where the Voting Rights Act uh, is in play. Um, they they go to every state and basically say, you know, you <laughs> you you got to redraw this, and the court finds a way to do it. They either order them back in, like Georgia's going back into session now, and they've been basically ordered to create minority districts that don't exist. So that's going to take away from the Republicans. And you got the same thing in Louisiana where they don't have enough time. I don't know where in the holy hell the conservative and Republican lawyers are to ever do anything to challenge well, anything. And, 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 and here's the problem. You have a very great group, the Republican Lawyer Association. Yeah. And they have to beg for money from the RNC. Oh, I know. And from the other groups. And what do we hear again? That where they're so far on money. They're so far behind. Well, if they're so far behind, what have you spent it on? There hadn't been an election. Yeah, where is the money you going? Didn't, you didn't help in Virginia. You, you didn't. You didn't do. And you know, don't take any credit for what happened in Louisiana because I know they didn't do anything down there. And where were they in Kentucky? And where are they in Ohio? And yet they're out of money. Why? I, I just don't get it. And it doesn't matter who's in charge. It seems to always be the same way. I mean, I know yeah. everybody wants to lay it on Ronna McDaniel's feet. Uh, but, it matters but, but, who's been in charge recently. So, I mean, Well, I, I, I agree with that. And, I, you know, I, I've been sort of more – I like Ronna. I know her a little bit. But here's the thing. At some point, you got to – you either got to change your ways or get out of the way. And, uh, you know, and there's Trump who could have made a choice for a completely different direction. And what does he do? He he comes out basically behind the scenes, supports Ronna McDaniel. And now he's bitching about these debates because she wants to have these debates to raise money. I mean, shame on him if he if he if he thought about it a little more. But he he just jumps on the bandwagons of these things. I know, and I look, I, you know, I, I'm not a Trump hater. 
uh, I actually, uh, you know, have been categorized as being a Trump admirer. I'm just a Trump realist. The man has great policies. I don't think he can change what he says all the time. Most of it works. But some of these few, few things he does are just dumb as hell. And that was one of them. I thought that was just idiotic. And I, it just well, shows yeah, I, I don't think he ever recognized that uh, the help the party could have and should have given him. Right. And so he doesn't realize how big of a tool it could be for him. And um, as you know, in the past when he was the you know presumptive nominee and the president, right. and when he was the nominee in 2020, I still think the thing is that, that he doesn't understand the power that he could have right. as president of the RNC and that it does matter and he's seen that it matters. And, and the problem is, is, is the, this thing is fundamentally the way it spends money is, has not borne out to be effective. Oh, it's and they had this great, they had this great dress rehearsal. They could have all the stuff they said they're working on. They should have rolled out in 2020, uh, 2023 as an example so we could see it all, yep. and it's just not there. Well, but they don't Newt, have any money. What well, Newt Gingrich has been on this forever, and kudos to Newt. In fact, we're going to have Newt on our show. He's already committed. Uh, we're also going to have Sean Hannity on the show. He also committed yesterday. By the way, I want you to know on that great road trip I was on, that when we did the Hannity radio show yesterday, I pulled over in Clinton, Tennessee, Congratulations to the Wendy's at Clinton, Tennessee. You didn't know it, but in your parking lot, we were doing a national radio program. <laughs> but I'm a man of the people. I go to Wendy's and I pull off on my road trip with my dog. Um, I'm not going to tell them the restaurant you wouldn't go to because it would hurt their business. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Don't do that. So it's not. It's, it's not. It's not me. It's not me. It's my waistline. It's my waistline. You couldn't, couldn't tell you. All right. So. So anyway, um, uh, I, you know, by the way, you know, I don't, it sounds like I'm saying President Trump is dumb. I, he's not dumb. He's brilliant. I mean, he's worth billions. Uh, he's done so much. He's elected president. But he really, you know, you got to admit, I mean, he's politically naive when it comes to the Republican Party. It's because he's not been in the party long enough to have been jilted, twisted, thrown over a cliff and robbed as oftentimes as we've seen people have happen over the last 30 or 40 years. Uh, but, but moving on here. Uh, real quickly. So we, we covered these primaries. Well, one we, more thing on and, that. Yeah. One more thing on that is the real power he has over the, uh, over the party, even today, even he's not even up to nominee. If he said to his army of people, don't give any more money to the Republican party. Yep. There would be a four rent sign on the building in six weeks. Oh, absolutely. So absolutely. He, I mean, he is literally, I mean, that's the part that just this party is beat some, you know, I see him feel like he's up against the party on so many of these little issues. Right. And I'm like, you control the water spigot. Yep. Turn well, it off if they don't make you happy. Well, look, look at what Brian Kemp has done in Georgia. Now, you know, he and, and uh, Trump are like oil and water, but Brian Kemp's very popular in Georgia and he knows it. And he also he's governor, so he can lean on folks. So he basically has created his own Republican Party through his own PAC. And he's giving almost every legislator. He's got one who he doesn't like. He won't give anything. I think that's sort of a silly thing, but that's his choice. Um, they're going to give him like $150,000 each to their campaigns from his PAC. But it, it has rendered the Georgia Republican Party 
sort of like a second fiddle. And well, they're running. And, and he knows exactly what happens. Get, exactly. I saw his name come up at the Georgia Republican Convention and he got booed. Right. So he created his own party, which I think is brilliant. I mean, I think it's brilliant. And I don't know why Trump doesn't do the same thing. I mean, you don't have to not be Republican, but he called Republican something else and give the money to that and let that organization run things instead of having to worry about this silly ass RNC crap going on. That, that he's irritated with because they're, I mean, these debates are just hopelessly impossible. I mean, there's nothing to them and it's a complete waste of time. And so I, I don't know. I, you know, we'll see. I, my, I said on the radio uh, a couple of days ago, you, you've said it recently too. I'm more concerned about turnout. Uh, I think the Democrats have a superior turnout machine, which we clearly know. And I don't see anything that suggests that the Republicans can replace that. And if you can't turn out the vote, or if you're having to turn out the vote turned out at five times the level you have, you can't win anyway. Doesn't matter what the polls say, right? And you have to have a turnout mechanism that is not. I, I feel like that the that the Republican turn, turnout mechanism is is like the you know one of those uh, like a a summer baseball league, and right. then everybody goes to their regular job. That's right. The, de- the Democrat turnout me- mechanism is like Major League Baseball. They've got a workout schedule. They've got spring training, and they got game time. Yeah, and, and they're, they're, they're working stop. all year round. That's right. That is they a never great stop. analogy. They, and they pay them all the time, and they have operatives who know what they're doing, and they're building a farm team of operatives that work their way up instead yep. of recreating the mechanism every two years, which is what we do. And that's part of our problem. It's not that we have bad people. It's that we're reinventing the wheel every two years. Absolutely. And, um, you know, one last topic, and then we'll talk sports, which we always like to end this show on sports. Uh, so a lot, a lot of talk among conservative journalists and, and their shows about how Joe Biden's going down, Joe Biden's dropping in the polls. But one of the things I find most interesting is they're, they're all talking about, oh, and the impeachment is coming. Nobody's paying attention. I mean, nobody. I don't know if they understand the fact that they keep talking about. And by the way, the evidence they have as a lawyer is much more interesting and appears to have much more heft to it than any of the stuff they produced on Trump. I mean, it just is true. They, they got mean, more evidence now than they ever had against Nixon. They ever had against right, Andrew Johnson. Right. They had, they had against Clinton. They had against right. Trump. No, there's... It would be the most well-documented impeachment trial ever, but in the current environment, it it's going nowhere. A tree fall in the woods, nobody hears. It's going nowhere, and again, it goes to the point that they that they wouldn't spend the money or the time to educate the public about what was going on. So, what happens when you do this sort of thing in an election year? The media says it's election year politics. It's tit for tat. That's what they're going to call it now. They might, the Democrats might be able to use it as another way to wedge Biden out, which we know from Axelrod and others, they're, they're, they're chomping at the bit to do. I mean, this guy gets worse every day. It literally, I mean, he just, it, it's just. You, you'll know, you'll know something's afoot when we start hearing rumors about how many Democrat senators have indicated they'd vote to remove him if it can. That's right. That's right. That, but there, but that requires the Republicans to have a cogent, coherent, presentation and i've said it even with what the evidence is out there now they they, if they were going to try to push joe biden out they'd start talking like that 
I, I think, I think, I think that, um, with all due respect, I'm sure Mr. Comer is a very smart guy. I don't think he's the best spokesperson for this stuff. I, I, I think Jim Jordan is a, is a more articulate spokesperson for it. But the problem is you've got so many committees talking at the same time that it's all lost. And well, you know, uh, you know what, you know, you know what they should do now that he's not speaker. Put McCar- McCarthy's an excellent communicator. Oh, Put him is. in charge of this. Boy, I sure would. I tell you what, he is. Put him he, in charge of it. He is one of the best communicators. I, I, he I was is an absolutely ha- fantastic communicator. And so talk about something they could all agree on, which yep. is this. Let him be spokesman in chief on this sucker. Let him lead this charge. I agree. I totally agree. It'd be a way I, I, to rehabilitate him in the eyes of a lot of Republicans. But 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 trust me, this thing's never going to get legs. And 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 for the Republicans to pin their hopes on this, I think more likely if it starts to get some legs, <clears throat> pardon me, it will give an opportunity for the Democrats to keep trying to push Biden out. Which, by the way, I don't think will happen until after the convention. You don't either. Because we, they don't. We both know that, exactly. They want to put somebody in that nobody's been pounding on, somebody nobody's been talking about for six months. They got forty-five days out. It's the last time ballots can be changed, right? And and you got early voting starting. I, I bet about sixty days out, they're going to make their move. Yeah. Put somebody in fresh. All of a sudden, you got early votes in the bank for a babe blinks twice. That's right. That's right. You're exactly right. So, Robert. Let's shift real quickly as we round the end of this show. Um, football this last weekend, Auburn, Alabama. Wow. Anybody who is not familiar with the crazy hijinks that happened in <coughs> Auburn, Alabama games, uh, you ought to do a little bit of research, find out about the kick six. Um, there are so many crazy endings. If it, that, that one game has right, been right. – been just there's that game is worth watching even old ones go look them up and watch them on ESPN when they run them again it there's nothing like watching those two play and the crazy crap that happens in the last five minutes well we had we had some great football this weekend we had Ohio State and Michigan which was a great game we yeah had, I don't think uh, they're gonna be saying Washington, Ohio State's Washington out of Georgia State. anymore do I you? mean really no, I actually was rooting for Ohio State because with all my wife's family who are all big Ohio State fans and uh, State State, their problem was their defensive coordinator, just like in in the uh, Auburn game, blew it. I mean, both of those could have had different outcomes if the defensive uh, coordinator had had their game on. But my Georgia Bulldogs, by the way, <clears throat> pardon me, Robert, uh, my Georgia Bulldogs. Are, are playing the Alabama Crimson Tide for the SEC championship. Now, what happens if Georgia loses? They're undefeated. They've been undefeated now for two years. And they lose to Alabama, so they end up having one loss just like a lot of the other teams. Does Georgia still end up in the in the Final Four? If they don't, there's a problem because they've lost one game and they lost one game to a team that lost one game and an extra game that some teams didn't even have to play. So – it would yeah, be ridiculous. Yeah, yeah I, I, I sort of think so, too. Although you can bet Nick Saban will be arguing, well, we beat Georgia, so we need to be well, no, in. No, they we're... both should be in. Really? But you really think so? We've had many we've had many times that four ended up with the SEC champion, the one who didn't win. Because, the, frankly, they're still the best two teams in the country, considering who they conference they play in. Right, right, right. 
Well, be interesting to see, you know, there's politics, politics and everything. And boy, speaking of that, the officiating in that Ohio State game was just rancidly horrible. Uh, you really had, I mean, you had to look at it and say, wow, were these guys just blind? Some horrible calls in that. NFL had some horrible calls too, that Eagles, uh, Buffalo game. Yeah, well, that was calls. the second time the Eagles gotten off on some bad calls. I remember the Dallas game. But, right, uh, right. But one, one thing that was worth watching is just how good the defenses for both Carolina and Clemson played. There was one, <laughs> one touchdown scored by any team that was Carolina. Uh, and the rest of them were all defensive touchdowns or defensive scores. Uh, and anybody that understand Clemson's defense is for real. If they had an offense to match it, they'd be dangerous. But yeah, the, but that game was that game was intercepted by Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> but the most important thing that happened this weekend was that Dolly Parton wore a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader outfit uh, for the halftime, and the the inner child in me oh, was going oh, oh, nuts. Don't say it, Robert. Oh, don't don't. I was so Robert. happy. I, uh, Those are two oh, of my favorite things mixed together. Oh. It, oh, it, I don't know. That was painful for me to see her up no, there. No, no, no. I thought she looked great. I mean, it would be almost as exciting as, as Ric Flair wearing the Evil Knievel uniform. I mean, when I things like uh, that that I loved as a kid came together, I just... Uh, <laughs> well, okay. Well, I, I, I love Dolly Parton. She has, and by the way, her voice is still fantastic. I, she's probably lip syncing, but she still has a great voice. She is America's sweetheart, and that, she, she belongs I, that in That is true. That is true. And she, by the way, she... She performed at the Tennessee Georgia game the week before, and I think the acoustics went off on her, and so it didn't do her justice. But she has a great, charismatic way about her. She's and I, a I guess performer. Every, She's everybody, everybody thinks the world of her. Okay, Robert. Well, we've we've said enough about sports and politics. We'll hold our breath, see what happens this weekend, and find out if there's more <laughs> interesting stuff. There's always something new in the world of politics. And by the way, folks, so you'll know, we are going to be going to video as well as audio, and we're going to do a, a major launch, hard launch of the show beginning in January. And Robert and I will be revealing a composite um, uh, tracking of some of the races that you will not be able to find on any of the aggregators. It'll just be on this podcast. So you'll have to come here to find out who's well, really going to win Iowa. The aggregator, yeah. grab it after we put it up. We're going to put it here first. Yeah, and, and, and we're, you know, we're going to let you know how these races are going way ahead of the media because they're usually chasing us. Uh, I know how they, you know, they'll, they'll run, oh, oh, the best, best pollsters in the world or CNN, ABC, you know, and they sucked for like three cycles in a row. And they all, they rank, be- and they all rank below us. So it below doesn't matter. Us, so that, but, but I'm not saying they're bad pollsters. I mean, you, you know, you you they have their methodologies, way of doing things. I get it. I respect every anybody who's willing. Look, in the polling business, as I say before, this is like throwing a dart across a football field and trying to hit the bullseye. And so anybody who's willing to do that, which these companies do and which exactly. we do. Anybody who's willing to put their stuff in public and be right. and be judged based on the numbers, you should respect. Polling companies tell you how great they are who never put their numbers out to be judged, wonder how great they are. Yeah. Well, you never know. And and that, you know, their argument would be, well, we're so good we don't have to do that. Well, that's good. I but said, if you kid, were win- this, this kid in the school said I'm too smart to take the test. Or it's like saying, you know, 
I don't play professional football because I'm so damn good. I like to just throw it in the backyard, <laughs> which is sort of like me playing golf. <laughs> I, I'm not all that good, uh, but I feel like a legend in my own mind when I'm out on the course by myself. Well, I can, think, that, of, I can think of polling companies you just described. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. With that note, Robert, enjoyed it. Uh, everybody, start the Christmas season. Get out there, buy your stuff, pile it up on that credit card. <laughs> Tis the season to be jolly. I'll talk to you next week. This is Matt Towery for Robert Cahaley, the Bow Tide one. And this is Polling Plus. Join us next week. We'll have more polling and more plus.